Masechet Sota Daf Yod Chet. Uh, the Mishnah detailed what exactly has to be written on the scroll, which pesukim from Parashat Sota that will have to be erased. And then we saw a few different laws about the details of how to write this scroll. Uh, so now we're going to add two more. Ketava al shene dapin pesula sefer echad marachamana velo shenaim ushlosha sefarim. You have to write the entire scroll on one page, and you cannot write it on two separate pages. Why? Because the Torah says you have to write it sefer, singular. One sefer, one scroll, not uh, two or three separate scrolls. It's a pretty short text, so it could easily fit in one column on one scroll. Katav ot achat umachak ot achat vekatav ot achat umachak ot achat pesula dichtib vasala kohenet kol haTorah hazot. If one writes a, one letter, erases that letter into the ink. Writes another letter, erases the letter. That's no good. Rather, you have to write the entire parasha, all the pesukim first, and then you have to erase all of it together. How do we know? Because it says that the Kohen will do to her all of this Torah, all of these instructions, which means you have to write all of it, and then you have to erase all of it, not letter by letter. Good. So now that we know these laws, a few questions that Rava brings up. Ba'ay Rava, katav sotot, what if you have two women that are both sotas? We talked already earlier about doing two sota ceremonies at the same time and that you, you should not do them at the same time. However, if it's two koanim or if you're doing one after the other, not exactly at the same time, then that's okay. So now what we want to do is we want to prepare um, to, for the drink for two different sotot, and we're going to prepare them together. So Rava asks, if you write two megillot, each one has each one has to have their megillah, um, but then you erase them into the same cup of water. So there's one cup of water with ink from two parchments on it. Is that valid? We wrote it for for the sake of this woman, and I wrote the other one for the sake of that woman, and we need that, and we have it. By the way, here we learned an, int- an important halacha that you can't just have a, a stack of uh, sota parchments, you know, in the closet and bring it out as needed. You have to write each sota parchment for that particular woman who is a sota. You have to write it on the spot. So here we wrote one of them for woman A and another one for woman B. So good, uh, that's fine, um, and therefore it's okay to erase them together. Or do we need maybe the erasure also has to be for each specific woman? And here you're erasing both of them into the same water, so the it's all getting mixed up, um, and it's no good. That's the question. And let's say you do need that the uh, erasing has to be for each specific woman, which would mean you have to erase each of them into two separate cups of water. And if we assume that, Okay, what if you write each one separately, one for A and one for B, and you erase them separately into two separate cups of water, but then you mix the waters together. So do we say on the one hand that the writing and the erasing was done for the sake of each woman separately, and so that's good enough. Now the waters are, are, are kosher, are valid, and even though you mix them together, one will drink half, one will drink half, and that's okay. 
or um, or do you say it's not good because uh, Mrs. A is not drinking the water for, that was uh, dedicated for her, and Mrs. B is not drinking the water that was dedicated for her? Because once you mix them up, and one's drinking half the cup, and the other's drinking half the cup, so they're not drinking the ink that was written and erased specifically for them. Um, and we'll build more on that question. If you say it's no good because they're not each drinking their own separate cups, they're all drinking from one cup and it's mixed together. What if we mix the cups together, but then we separate it, the cup, we separate the big cup into two uh, smaller cups once again? Do we say that there is designation? The word berera in some context means retroactively designated. Um, that like you could uh, say, you know, this uh, section is, uh, our fruit is going to be, ma whatever whatever section um, is left over, be ma'asir. So then retroactively, whatever is uh, left will be ma'asir. You could do that in other cases. Here, it doesn't actually have to mean retroactive uh, clarification. It doesn't mean that, because we're not retroactively deciding what was in cup A and what was in cup B, right? There, we first read it, wrote it, and then we uh, erased it. So there was clearly cup A for Mrs. A, cup B for Mrs. B. We mixed it together. There's no way of undoing that, right? But rather what we're asking about Berera is, is there um, separate redesignation? Once I take that big cup and separate it into two separate cups, can I say, you know what, even though all the water is mixed up and some of the ink is in here and some of the ink is in there, but now that I separate it to two cups, do we say, you know what, this is redesignated now for Mrs. A, and that one is now Berera. It's separated off and designated for Mrs. B, and therefore it's okay. That's the question, whether you can do that or no. It cannot be redesignated in that way. And now that got, got all mixed up, each one is drinking some of the drink that was uh, that was given that was supposed to be for the other one, and it's not valid. Okay, all these questions are asked and they're left unresolved. The law is that the sota has to drink it. Drinking, we understand in a normal way, you drink from the cup. But what if she doesn't do it that way? What if she drinks through a fiber or through a tube? A fiber might be she kind of drinks it through a sponge. They might actually have done this in those days, kind of like a filter, if the water was dirty. Um, so then they could uh, drink it, put a, a, a fiber over the cup and drink it through that. That would be a kind of a, a makeshift Brita filter. Um, or the other way is to drink it through a straw like kids do so does that is that called normal drinking or that's not normal drinking and it's not valid and this is take or this is also left open as a question what if she doesn't drink the whole thing what if some of the water in the cup spills or it's less she drinks half and leaves over some of some of it is that valid she has to drink the entire cup or she has to drink some of the cup and we also leave that question standing Okay, so now Rav says the uh, Torah mentions two Shavuot. Let's look back at the, the Pesukim to remind ourselves 
Pasuk 19 says, So the Kohen will minister an oath and say, You have to take a vow that you agree to this. If I did not, if you did not sleep with that uh, other guy. So by saying, Yes, I agree to that, she is uh, swearing by saying, Amen. To this, she is swearing that this is indeed the case, right? That I was not with any other man. Okay, so that's the uh, the oath, that's the Shavuah. And then Pasuk 21, again, This one is not just a Shavuah, it's an Allah. This is the curse. Where the Kohen says, You will be cursed, and this is what will happen to you, right? Your uh, belly, your thigh will, will, will distend, and so on, and this will come into you. Um, uh, and uh, she says, Amen, Amen. So you see here, there's no, this part, just by itself, does not have an if statement. It's just, it's just the curse. I mean, now it's assuming what came before, right? If you did sin, then this should come to you, right? But it, is, it is, seems to be a separate, Shivuah. So Rav is asking, why are there two vows um, uh, here uh, mentioned? So Rav says, uh, one of them is administered before the scroll is erased, and one after the scroll is erased. And that's why it says Vishbiya twice to indicate two separate time periods. That's Rav's explanation. Rava says, that's not right. Uh, both of the vows are mentioned before the erasure of the scroll, right? Look back at the Pesukim. It says, Vishbia once, Vishbia twice. She says, Amen, Amen. She agrees with those of uh, those vows that the Kohen said to her. And only after it's, after that, it says, Then he writes it, and then he erases it, and then he has her drink it. So you see that the erasing comes after both of the vows. So instead, Rava offers a different answer. Rava explains why there are two vows in the Torah. One of them has a curse with it, that's the second one, and one of them does not have a curse with it, that's the first one. First he says, right, make a vow that you are innocent. Yes, I vow, I'm, I'm innocent. Then he says, make a vow that you accept the consequences of this curse, should you be guilty. And she says yes to that. Okay. Now, what does that mean? The second one, which is, it's a shivua also, it's called shivua ta'ala. Um, what, what is an oath that has together with it a curse? The Kohen says, I administer an oath to you that you did not sin, because she right because if you did sin then this uh this curse will come to you so there you go that's the uh, that's the oath to connected with the curse rava says that doesn't make sense because right here rava again right is, is attacking rav and here again he's disagreeing with rav he says no in that case the um curse is separate and the shivua is separate it's two separate phrases I make, I administer an oath to you that you did not sin. That's phrase one. And then it says, because if you sinned, the, this curse. That's a separate sentence. So these are two separate phrases. And that's not a shivuat Allah, a oath that has a curse within it. Um, rather, rather, Rava says, has to be closer together in its, in its syntax. And the Kohen says, I administer an oath that if you sinned, then you will, these, this curse will come upon you, right? It's an immediate. It's not, I, I make you a vow that you didn't sin, 
or else, right, it, because if you did, that's two separate things, it has to be all, all one. If you sinned, then the curse will come upon you. Um, so it's not just a curse because it does have an oath also with it, that and an if statement together with it. So that's what has to be says they have to be closely connected. Amadavashe, yet a third opinion of what this means, a shivuat Allah. Um Allah Ika Shivwaleka Ravashe says, I don't like your answer, Rava, because here we have a curse, but we don't have a shivua. Basically it's all one phrase that is one long curse, right? I administer this oath that you um that you acknowledge that if you sin this curse will come upon you. So that's just a curse. There's no, there's no part of it where she's swearing that she is innocent. And so it, you, you put them too much together. And so what we have here is that the first answer of Rav was that the phrases were too much separated. because So now it's not, right, this is separate and this is separate. So Rav put it all together, but by putting it all together, basically he lopped off the Shivwa part, and all you have is a, an Allah, and so we have a kind of compromise position. It's almost exactly the same as what I've said. You're changing, instead of a Sheen, you have a Vav here. And so the Vav uh, connects them closer together. I administer a vow uh, to you that you did not sin. So that's the vow part of it, which is separate enough. It's a vow that she is acknowledging, swearing that she did not sin. And if you did sin, this curse will come upon you. So there's the curse part. We have the vow part. We have the curse part. And they are more closely connected because it's with a and conjunction. All right, that concludes that Mishnah. Next Mishnah. Um, it says in the Torah that after the second one, she says, um, Amen, Amen, twice. Presumably, um, it, this is, she's saying uh, she's acknowledging both of the vows that came before. So we're wondering why this double language, Amen, Amen, what does it apply to? Amen Allah Allah, Amen Allah Shavua. So simple answer. And yes, she's saying Amen to the curse and to the Shavua. The Shavua was first, the curse comes second. And she's saying, Yes, I agree that I vow I did not sin. And I also acknowledge that this curse will come upon me if I did sin. Okay, good. Now, that's the simple reading of the, of the Torah. However, the Mishnah goes on and now adds other vows that the husband can um, uh, ask her to make at the same time. Amen me'ish zeh, amen me'ish acher. For example, the sota, the husband suspected her, his wife of being with Mr. A, right? Uh, that uh, they were being too friendly, don't be secluded with him. And she goes and she's secluded with him. So that's Mr. A. So therefore she's, she's a sota for Mr. A. So really the sota is only that he's jealous and wants to make sure that she did not sin with that guy. However, once she's making a vow, the Kohen can add yet another vow. It's called Gilgul Shivu'ah. Um, even though um, he could, a husband could not go and say, make his wife make, take a vow against Mr. B just out of the blue without any context, couldn't do that. However, once she's already making a vow as a sota regarding Mr. A, so the husband can say, I want you to say, when you say Amen, that you didn't sin not only with Mr. A, but also with that other guy, Mr. B, who was not involved in the sota ritual yet. So that you can include that. And um, that's why it says Amen, Amen. 
is not only regarding the Allah and Shavuah, but that you can also include another man. Amen Satiti Arusa And furthermore, the uh, the the husband can make her take a vow and set to acknowledge that she didn't sin, not only while she was married, but even before that during Kiddushin. Uh, Kiddushin is a serious uh, level of uh, of uh, connection between the husband and wife. It's not full marriage, but it's sufficient that it's called adultery and is uh, is prohibited and would make them prohibited to each other. So that uh, she... Um, uh, so even though the the uh, the sota event happened when they were married and said don't be um, uh, don't be don't be secluded with that guy that was during the nisuin but as a gilgul said listen and I want you to include in your swear that you weren't with that other guy during the kiddushin nowadays we do kiddushin and nisuin back to back with just a few minutes in between but in those days there might be several months in between and he wants to allay all suspicions he is right to do that and also, let's say this woman was married to one guy and he died without children. And then she's awaiting Yibum. That's Shomeret Yavam. She's waiting for the uh, brother, her brother-in-law, the Yavam, to marry her. During that time period, she's not allowed to be with any other man. However, that prohibition is not a karet prohibition. It's not like full arayot. It's only a love. Uh, a lower prohibition, um, and uh, so during that time, she she should she's not supposed to be with anybody else. Okay, now let's say the goes ahead and the avam does uh, does yibum. That's called kenusa, right? Uh, she he she was gathered into his home. He married her. So let's say the set this the the live brother does yibum, and now they're married. And now he says, wait, I, I suspect you of being with Mr. A. He makes his, the Yevama, well, they're fully married now, now his wife, uh, a sota. So he can make her a sota, and now they're making the vow. And he can say, listen, I want you to make a vow not only that you didn't sin while we're married, also that you didn't sin when you were awaiting the Yibum, when you were Shomeret Yavam, you have to swear that you did not sin during that time also. The Gemara will talk more about this line. And lastly, she says one amen to say, I did not sin. And the second amen that if I did sin, then this bed should come upon me. That's to get back to the simple Peshat. This is actually the same as the first uh, uh, statement. Amen amen um, So this is, I think, you could read this as a, a heading, a title. This is basically what amen amen means. But then the Mishnah is explained, elaborating and say, listen, while you're saying it, a vow, you can also add in other things that maybe he's suspicious of and he wants to make sure to clarify kind of, while you're at it, you're permitted to do all these things. And then it comes back to the main one, which is the Shavuah and the Allah. All that is Tanakama. Rabbi Meir Omer, Amen Shelo Nitmeti, Amen Shelo Etameh. Rabbi Meir says you can also throw in a future clause. So she'll say, Amen, I did not sin yet in the, in the past, and also I will not sin in the future. Um, now, so that means that this sota water will take effect in the future, should she sin in the future, right? She becomes sota. Let's say she was innocent. She never sinned before. So, okay, good. Nothing happens. They go home, right? And uh, shalom al-Yisrael. But let's say in a year, a year after that, she does commit adultery. Um, at that point, this this vow, this oath that she takes and says amen, right, will be will still hold, will be held in abeyance, and 
she will feel the effects of the sota waters after that point. Rimiya says, yes, it can work even for the future, presumably with that particular guy. Now, even though there is a machloket between Tanakhama and Bimeir about a future event, that's only a future event while they're still married. But everyone agrees that the husband cannot add a stipulation to the vow about what she might have done or might not have done before the Kiddushin. Right? Before Kiddushin, she was a Pinuya. And therefore, uh, if she was with someone as a Pinuya, it's not recommended. There are problems with it. But it's not a violation of her marriage uh, vows with her current husband. It doesn't make her prohibited to her husband. And so he can't add that. Also, after divorce, he can't say, um, I want to add in a stipulation that you will not be with that guy even, a- even after we get, should we get divorced, you still won't be with that guy. He has no, the husband has no authority over who she's with after divorce. After divorce, she can go and um, marry whoever she wants. Um, and uh, if she is with that guy, right, that does not affect the marriage. Um, with her current husband. So therefore, he has no jurisdiction over what happened before their Kiddushin or should they get a get. And this, after Kiddushin, is even if they should get remarried, right? That's the halacha. If you have a husband and wife are married and they get divorced, if she goes and marries someone else in between with Kiddushin, then she can never return uh, to her first husband, even if her second husband dies or they get divorced. Um, uh, however, the halacha is that if she, if they're married, they get divorced, and she uh, has bi'ah with another man outside the context of marriage, then she is permitted to remarry her original husband, right? The, that prohibition against remarrying is only if she had Kiddushin with another man and in, uh, in between, but not if she um, had relations out of wedlock. So this clause of the Mishnah continues, Ad meaning they were married, they have a divorce, and then while they're divorced, she went and she was with some other man. It says, Nisra uh, you know, but uh, even though they're not, She's not married, so it's not adultery. But then after that, he remarries her, which is permitted. As long as he's not a Kohen, um, the husband's permitted. And, and she dev- she didn't get to have Kiddushin with this other guy in between. They're permitted to remarry. If she then becomes a Sota during the second marriage, and the guy says, hey, I um, uh, I want to make sure I'm jealous. I think you're with, that, with uh, that guy, Mr. A, the same guy that she actually was with in between. He cannot add to the vow and say, oh, I want you to also vow that you were not with him during the time we were divorced. That's not under his jurisdiction. She was on her own but while they were divorced. And that would not, if even if she was with that guy what, during that divorce period, that would not make her prohibited to her husband. And therefore, none of his business. Very important principle. We're going to see it discussed. Any, uh, in any case where if she did sleep with some guy and that would not make her pro- prohibited to her husband, the husband cannot add a stipulation that she has to include that as the vow, right? And the example, one example is exactly right here. 
um, that since even if she was with that guy during the divorce, that would not make her prohibited to her husband. She can go remarry her husband. Therefore, out of his jurisdiction, he cannot make her swear that she was not with him. Good. says, I can derive from this Mishnah that a Shomeret Yavam, a woman whose husband died without children, and now she's awaiting for the Yavam to come to Yibum with her. During that waiting period, she cannot, she's not supposed to be with any other man. If she is, it's a love. What if she does go with another man? Can she then still go ahead and do Yibum? Rav HaMnunah says, no, it's kind of like, like adultery, um, and she cannot no longer be with the Yavam. Mimai, how does Rav HaMnunah know this? Since this is included on the list, that the Yavam, after they get married, uh, and that's Kinusa, she's called the Kinusa, and if the husband should suspect her and make her a sota, he can, the Yavam, the husband, can add in a clause, oh, and also I want you to swear that when you were Shomeret Yavam, also that you did not sleep with this guy. And the Mishnah says, yes, you're allowed to do that. Wait a second, how could it be that he's allowed to do that? Um, if it would be permitted anyway. If, by sleeping with that guy, Mr. A, while when she's a Shomeret Yavam, that would make her prohibited to do Yubum with the Yavam, then it makes sense. That's why he can add that in as a stipulation, right? If she, if she is guilty, if she was, if she was guilty, then that would have made her prohibited to do Yibum and prohibited to, for them to be married right now. So it makes sense why he can add that in. If you say that it's not prohibited, that even though she, she violated a love, She's not supposed to do that, but even if she did that, he's still, she's still allowed to do Yibum. Well, then how could he add in this as a stipulation? The Mishnah says at the end, as a general rule, any um, relation that she has that would not cause her to be prohibited to her husband, the husband cannot as a, as a stipulation. And if, so if, if this would not make her prohibited, then... The husband, then the Yavam should not be able to edit a stipulation. So it must be that it does make her prohibited. Okay, this is a very good um, derivation uh, and inference from this Mishnah. And we're going to agree that this is what the Mishnah means. Nevertheless, we're also going to say that this is not the halacha lemaaseh. In the West, in Eretz Yisrael, they say, Rav halacha is not, uh, does not follow you. Remember, Rav actually only said this line. He just gave the bottom line halacha. It's the Gemara. You see the change in, in, from Hebrew, Rav statement, to the Aramaic. Mimai, how does he know this? So the derivation from the Mishnah is uh, that of the Gemara. It's a good derivation, and it's a correct derivation. Okay, but anyway, in the West, they, they, they didn't necessarily hear all this. Um, they heard what Rav HaMnunah said, and they said, no, that's not the halacha. Okay, if it's not the halacha, why not? The Mishnah is, is that way. Uh, rather, um, this Mishnah, at least that line of the Mishnah, that says you can add in a stipulation, um, uh, the Kenusa, the Yavam, when she gets married, can add in that she did not sin even as a Shomeret Yavam. Who is the author of that clause? It's Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva in general is much more stringent regarding 
um, the laws of uh, of uh, Adayot, he says Kiddushin does not work even in Chayve Lavin, and it makes her Edva. Uh, this is Machloket that we saw back in Masechet Yevamot. Everyone agrees that if you have any Sur Karet, that does not create Kiddushin, right? Two people that are prohibited each other by Sur Karet. Um, uh, for example, uh, Ad- uh, Edva, uh, a, a brother and a sister, or any other Adayot, um, if someone tries to do, uh, do Kiddushin, um, it won't work, right? They could do Kiddushin all day long. Similar to Eshet Ish, if a man comes and give, gives a married woman a ring, she's already married uh, to someone else, and uh, they do a whole marriage ceremony, the Kiddushin doesn't work. They don't need a get or anything. Um, same thing if she's single and a close relative tries to do that. That's Isur Karet. Everyone agrees that Kiddushin does not work. What about for uh, Isur Lav? Does the Kiddushin work there or not? Most of the sages say the Kiddushin works. Even though you're not supposed to, the Kiddushin, go, if, you, if you do it, goes ahead and works. Like the Shomeret Yavam. She's waiting for the, for the Yavam to do Yibum. Let's say she doesn't wait and someone does Kiddushin. Most of the majority of rabbis say that works. Or a Kohen um, to a divorcee, right? Not allowed. What if he does do a Kiddushin in front of two witnesses? Most rabbis say, yes, they are married. However, Rabbi Akiva disagrees and says, Kiddushin does not work, not only if Isur Karet, for sure it doesn't work, even if it's an only, only in Isur Lav, it does, the Kiddushin does not work. As a consequence of that, also it does not make her, uh, um, it, there, as a consequence of that, um, it makes her an Edva, because the Kiddushin works, should they have relations? Should she have relations? Let's say the Shomeret Yavam. If she, if someone else would give Dukidushin with her, it would work. So that's a stringency. As a consequence of that, if another man, if that man is with her, um, let's say without Kiddushin or anything, it does make her an Elva forbidden to the Ibu, forbidden to forbidden to her Yavam, right? In other words, that relation, that relationship is stringent enough that it creates that a, uh, a prohibition for her to be ever again with that Yavam. And so that this clause is only the opinion of, um, uh, of Rabbi Akiva. In other words, this halakha that Avham Nuna said agrees with Rabbi Akiva, Shemeret Yavam. That's only Yisur Lav. Shezinta, nevertheless, we treat it stringently. Um, and so stringently enough, both, both that it's not a Kiddushin, and that it is an it is Edva, and therefore she is prohibited to her husband. So this is a correct derivation of the Mishnah, except that the Mishnah is only the opinion of Rabbi Akiva, and that's why in the West they say Halacha is not not so good. Question here is back to the case where husband and wife were married, they divorced, and they got remarried. In the during the second marriage, the husband makes his wife a sota, and that I want you to swear that you were not with Mr. A during this current second marriage. He can he add in, I want you to also swear that you were not with him in the first marriage. Can he add that in? Right? It's they were still same same husband and wife. Can he add in the first marriage? Is that permitted? Or let's say the husband died and she does yibum. And the Yavam, after they're married, makes her a sota. I want you to swear you weren't with Mr. A. That certainly you can do. And then he wants to add in 
another stipulation, and also I want you to vow that you were not with Mr. A when you were married to my brother before he died. Is that permitted? Can you add in that? That, that can you add that in? That's the Bimiyas question. And the answer is pretty obvious. Tashima zekelal kol sheti ba'ed velo te'asura lo lo haya matne ima ha'asira ha'chaname de matne shema'mina. The rule is that in any relation that she would have, and it would not make her prohibited, he cannot he cannot make a stipulation. Um, but if it does make her prohibited, then he can. And in both of these cases, that would make her prohibited. If she had committed adultery in the first marriage, then that would mean that the first marriage was became prohibited. He would have to divorce her and would not be able to remarry her. So, yes, it's certainly valid. And the same thing for the Avam. If she had committed adultery with the brother the, while he was alive, then she would have been, been, have been forbid, forbidden to remain married to her brother. And when the brother died, she would have been forbidden to do Yibum. He would have had to do Halitza. And therefore, yes, it is relevant. It is considered under the jurisdiction of the husband. What happened during the first marriage would, would, would make her prohibited even in the second marriage and what she, da- she did with the brother would make her prohibited to the Yavam. And so the answer is yes, you can add that in. Now regarding Bimeiru says you can make her make a vow not only about the past but you can add in a vow regarding her future activity. Tanya, to clarify, Rabbi Meir, when he said that you can say Amen, that she will not sin in the future, it doesn't mean that if she should sin in the future, then retroactively the water will take effect from now. Because that would make a paradox, right? That would mean that she would have to blow up right now while she's drinking before the future happened, before she sinned in the future. So if, because Hashem knows what's going to happen in the future, Hashem knows that um, in a year from now, she's going to sin. So then, now from now, she will blow up. That doesn't make sense. This is like in my, that movie, Minority Report, that they put people, they arrest people before they uh, commit a commit a, a crime because they can tell based on these futurists that they're gonna they're gonna commit the crime, right? That doesn't work. That's not legal, not in uh, general law, and not in halacha. You can, she can't be punished before that future sin actually happened. So Rabbi Meir is not bringing us into a time war paradox. Rather, what he means is that. She is vowing from now that should she sin in the future, then the water will take effect in the future after she sins. But if you may think, yes, that is valid, right? That will certainly affect her marriage. Rav Asher now is going to apply this, uh, ask, according to the Bimeir, what if there's um, a remarriage case? So they're married once. And maybe they'll get divorced and they will marry again. But right now they're in the middle of the first marriage. And he, the husband suspects her of being with Mr. A, makes her a sota, has her drink. All that's valid. And now he wants to add in another uh, uh, um, stipulation. I want you to add in a vow that should we get divorced and then remarried, 
that in the future you also will not be with that guy. The Bimeir does say you can make a vow for the future, so can you also make a vow for a future second marriage? On the one hand, you could say that right now she's not prohibited to him. In other words, it will not, even if she does cheat on him in the second marriage, that will not affect the first marriage. The first marriage is totally fine. And therefore, no, you cannot add in that stipulation. Or do we say, no, it sometimes happens that a person gets divorced and remarried, and then she will become prohibited to him in the second marriage. And because it's the same husband and wife, it doesn't matter if that's the first marriage or second marriage, she will become forbidden to him. And therefore, it is related. And, um, um, and uh, therefore, he can add the stipulation. So those are the two sides of the question. And we're going to answer it. Tashema. We're going to answer it from the very language of the Mishnah that said a, a husband cannot add a stipulation on what happened before the Kiddushin, nor on what happens after the divorce. And then the Mishnah added on that if she did, was with someone else during the divorce period, and then they got remarried, he cannot make her vow on what she did during the divorce period. So now we're very, being very specific and making a diuk. It's only what she did during the divorce period that he cannot make her to, uh, make a vow on. But um, what, something that she does, not during the divorce period, in the, during the first marriage or during the second marriage, he can, which means, yes, even though right now they're in the middle of the first marriage and she's a sota, and they don't know for sure that they were going to get divorced and get remarried, but nevertheless, should they get divorced and remarried, he can say right now, in case we get divorced and remarried, I want you to take a vow that you also will not be with this person in the future, and if you are with that guy in that second marriage, then this curse will still come upon you. Yes, it's permitted. Since the Mishnah didn't mention this case, the only Mishnah, Mishnah only excluded um, what she does during the divorce period. That's not under his, not none of his business. But what she may do during the second marriage, that is his business. And so we answer that question. Good. Now we're going to see important Braita. It brings three opinions about making a woman a sota a second time, a kind of double jeopardy. Is that permitted? Um, so we'll see. It, may, it depends on, is it the same husband? Is it the same Boel, the same alleged adulterer? So first opinion, Tanakama says, Zot Torat HaKenaot. Right, this pasuk is, comes a little bit later on, um, and uh, says here, it's like a summary. This is the law of, the, of jealousy. So this word Zot, we're going to see, is a limiting word, this and only this. Torat means the general law. This is an expanding word. So what do we learn from this? Um, so the word, this phrase teaches us, according to Tanakama, that a woman drinks, one, drinks once and repeats. Yes, she can repeat a second time and be, a, be called a sota again. Um, from a simple reading, it sounds like the husband becomes jealous again. He can make her wife, his wife, a sota again. 
with even with the same man? Well, we'll see. The Biuda Omer Zot Shenaisha Shota Vishona. The Biuda disagrees. Hanakama says no. Zot means only once. A person, a man, has one chance to make his her his wife a sota, and then if you and she, let's say she's innocent, okay, that's it. He only has one one card to play. If it turns out he was wrong, she was innocent, then he's just being too, uh, you know, overly zealous here. He can't do it again. And Nerebida qualifies, even though he just said that you cannot do it twice. Nevertheless, he said um, that this Nechunya, the person, this uh, ditch digger, he testified before us the name of his teachers. So this is a verified tradition that a woman can drink and have to drink again. And we accepted his testimony only regarding two husbands, but not just one husband. So one husband, one wife, he can make her a sota once, and that's it. He can never make her a sota again. But if she should remarry, then the second husband can make her a sota um, uh, for a second time. So the woman herself can drink, but only if she's accused by two different husbands, not the same husband. So this is the middle opinion of Rabbi say No, across the board, a woman never has to drink twice, not only with one husband, but even two husbands, right? So if the second husband suspects her, uh, she says, sorry, I was already a sota with my first husband, I was cleared, and that's it. Yeah, I can never become a sota again. Uh, which, um, in a way, protects the woman because otherwise, you know, every uh, this, that husband or other other people will come and keep uh, uh, harassing her and uh, with their, um, you know, with their unfounded jealousy. So this is a one-time only use. Okay, the coin to hachamim. Now. Now we're going to analyze this machloket. Tanakama na medichtib zot. Rabbanan batreena mekaketiv torat. Hold on, Tanakama, um, who says that yes, you can repeat, but doesn't say the word zot, which means only once. So how come Tanakama thinks uh, that you can, a uh, husband can repeat as many times as he wants? And Rabbanan, the last ones here, Rabbanan, who say no, only once, but doesn't say torat, which is an expansive word. So shouldn't you have to learn something from that, that there is a case where you can do be more than once? Amadava, we'll finish the pedic here. So actually, the machloket is more limited than we thought. If it's regarding one husband, the same husband, and one boel, one alleged adulterer, everyone agrees that she drinks only once. So if you have right um, the husband and wife, and he says, I think you were with Mr. A, makes her a sota, she drinks, nothing happens. And then a month later, a year later, she again says, I think you're with Mr. A. He cannot add. That's double jeopardy. Everyone agrees. Even the sages, even Tanakama that says you can repeat, but not that case. Not for the same husband and the same Boel. Okay, everyone agrees. Adichtiv, Zot. And that's the application for sure of Zot limiting. And in the opposite extreme, everyone agrees that if it's two husbands and two different alleged adulterers, everyone agrees that yes, she can be um, uh, called a sota twice. She was married once, and for that husband said, "Don't be with Mr. A. She's a uh, uh, she's a sota." 
Okay, she drinks, nothing happens. She gets divorced or he died. She's married to Mr. B. And Mr. Uh, uh, second husband. And second husband says, I want you, I, I think you, that you are uh, suspected of being with some some other guy. Not the same as the first Boel, right? Mr. D. Um, so that, that that's valid, right? A different husband and different Boel. Everyone agrees um, uh, that, that you can do that. Even Chachamim that say, um, uh, even they would agree that in that case she can drink again and that's why it says Torah that's what he would do with that word Torah which is an expansive word so where is the Machloket if not in those extreme cases if you have one husband and two two uh, suspected adulterers or two husbands with the same suspected adulterer in that case Tanakamada says yes she repeats so the, the word Torah would include all of these cases if it's two different husbands husband one accuser of being with Mr. A and then husband B can also accuse her of being with Mr. A that's fine or one husband one time she makes her sota about me with Mr. A another time that she's with Mr. B then also the one husband can make her so to her his wife a sota twice right so all that's fine only uh, only that the same husband cannot repeat a sota with the same alleged adulterer. Okay, so that's Tanakama. Rabbanan Batra'eh, the other extreme opinion of Rabbanan that say that no, there's no, no repeating, they think, They say the limiting word applies to all of those cases, two and one and one and two, two husbands and one bo'el, or two different bo'alim with... Um, with one husband or two husbands with one boel, right? All those are excluded. They cannot repeat. The only case that the Rabbanan would say can repeat is if it's a one husband with Mr. A, another husband with Mr. B. That's fine. Uh, then you can, uh, that's, that, that can be, uh, she can be a sota twice. And the middle opinion of Biuda, zot, the word zot excludes two of the cases, and the word Torah includes two of the cases. Which two? If it's one husband, one husband, that's excluded. One husband only has one chance, whether it's, it's one Boel or two different uh, uh, suspected adulterers. One husband, you have only one chance to call your wife, right? So use it wisely. And if she's innocent, then even if you suspect your wife of being with some other guy, you can't make her a sota again. However, So the word Torah, which is an inclusive word, that comes to include the case of two husbands and one uh, suspected adulterer or um, two husbands and two suspected adulterers, right? So it's matter if one husband or two, two husbands, if it's two different suspected adulterers, then the same husband or two husbands can make her a sota twice, according to that middle opinion of the Biyuda. Hadran alach, hayam evi, chazakim u